But wait, it gets worse. Six of the top 10 most dangerous spring break destinations are all located in Florida. But wait, it gets worse. Hi, I'm Shannon. And I'm Mara. Each week, we'll bring you a chilling tale and a real-life encounter, and it's up to you to determine which is which. Yeah, and this week, we have two prior themes to catch you up on. You said that weird. What, the word or the phrase? I don't know. I didn't like any of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Would you, like, would you like to tell me how you'd say it? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Never mind. I'm sorry. Well, that's what you get. How would you... We, we have to tell you... Yeah, you know what? You did a great job. Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah. So, the first one we'll talk about since it was two weeks ago was our college stories. Yes. I told a real story about Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts. And by a story, I mean multiple uh hauntings basically experiences yeah and i got my information from ghostwalks.com yes and my story was super fucking long but so good yeah i got mine from reddit no sleep obviously by user uh, um i think it's binapocalypse it's better than B-I-N-A-H apocalypse. Yeah, anything's better than what was it? Chewing skin? Chewing skin. <laughs> Disgusting. No, um, and so that was like such a great story that we had to do our first second parter for. Yeah. And so then last week we told you guys about reincarnation stories. Correct. What was yours, Mar? Mine was the true story of Shanti Devi. Um, I got my information from allthatsinteresting.com and Wikipedia. Very cool. How about um, you? And my story was clearly the fake one. I thought it was funny, though, that we kind of went with an Indian Hindu theme. Well, yeah, but... That wasn't planned. No, it wasn't. But reincarnation is such a big thing for, like, Hindu... Yeah, I, I just meant, like, our fact and both of our stories. So I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, but mine I got from Reddit No Sleep by user Jim Eduardo Ramos. Okay. Yeah, like, that was the most name-like name that I think we've probably ever seen. <laughs> name-like name. I thought you said main-like name, and I was like, no. No, definitely not. Not, really. not like, main, but name. Name. Because most of them are just, like, chewing skin. Chewing skin. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We're never going to forget that one. No, I won't. I should click on chewing skin and see if they have any other stories. Oh, I bet they do. Um, what are we doing this week? This week we're telling you about spring break stories. Yes. Do you want to go first or should I? I mean, it doesn't matter to me, but I, I will, I suppose. Okay, do okay. it. So, I'm going to tell you about Mark Kilroy. Do it. Tell me about it. Mark Kilroy was a senior at the University of Texas in Austin. Okay. He had two friends, Bill Huddleston and Bradley Moore, who were juniors at Texas A&M. Oh, okay. And a friend, Brent Martin, who was a student at Alvin Community College. So they has got lots of friends. Clarify that. <laughs> well, specifically this week, uh, the four of them took the friend, Brent Martin's car, um, on the early morning of March 11th, 1989. It was a Saturday. Mm -hmm. To South Padre Island, where Texas and the Gulf of Mexico meet. I've always wanted to go to South Padre. Sounds like a good time. Mm, I, I wonder if it's on the list of top 10. Oh, now I gotta look. Hold on. Well, this is it. maybe, but 
after you hear the story, you're not going to necessarily want to go there anymore. Oh, guess what? Number six of the top 10 most dangerous places to visit per spring break is South Padre. No shit. Yeah. Number six. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, along with all the Florida places. (laughs) So these four friends were um, former high school basketball teammates, all from Santa Fe, Texas. Okay. Kilroy, who was 21. He was the all-American boy pre-med. And according to his friends, he was an above average kind of guy. So it doesn't take much to be above average when it comes to men. That's true. Especially when you're 21 years old. Right. Um, And so these four friends decided for spring break, they were going to go clubbing in Matamoros, which is right on that border between Texas and the Gulf of Mexico. So that was their their first night. They decided to do that. They met up with four girls, um, and those girls had wanted directions. So they just decided to all go there together. Oh, so it was like girls that they didn't know already. Correct. Okay. So fast forward to the second night while they're there, they decided to go to Matamoros again. Um, they parked on the American side, which there was this. What year is it? 1989. So you don't need a passport. Okay. And they had, like I said, they they parked on the American side. There was this bridge that connected them to the town. And you just walk right across the border. Those were Um, the days. Yeah, right. So they walked across the bridge to Calle Obregon, which is a wide avenue of bars and clubs. So it reminds me of like, it was what, St. Catherine Street when we went to Montreal. Yeah. Um, Had, you know, a good time. On the way back to the car. Bill Huddleston broke off to pee. He ran back to the group to catch up with them when he was done. But Kilroy, Mark Kilroy, wasn't with them anymore. Um, But Mark's not the one that separated. No, the one that separated to pee was Bill Huddleston. So when he left the group, Uh there were three of them. Yeah. When he returned, there were only two. So Mark Kilroy was gone. Where'd he go? The group of them backtracked a little bit to look for him. Wait, so they just didn't realize he was missing? Correct. Okay. So that um, would never happen with us, but okay. Sometimes, I feel like it depends on the situation because sometimes I feel like we're so focused on something or like if we're a little in need. We're like not in the same country though. We're pretty aware of Yeah, I would would agree with that. Um, But anyway, so they backtracked a little to look for him and then they ran ahead, crossing the border, thinking that maybe he'd already gotten back to the car. Oh. Well, he didn't. Okay. So they all waited a little while to see if he'd catch up, but ultimately they figured he'd gotten a ride home, which at first I thought that was like so stupid. But Bill Huddleston says when he broke away to pee, he had seen a Mexican man gesture toward the group of them and say something to Mark, uh, something along the lines of, didn't I just see you or where have I seen you recently or something like that. So he assumed they knew each other. Okay. I'd also like to point out that not only did they meet these four girls that they didn't know, while they were there, they had also seen some of Mark's fraternity brothers and another girl or a group of girls that he did know. So, I keep forgetting that they're like, they like go to school in Texas too. And they're probably right. only like a couple hours away from Correct. school. Okay. So, and that's why it's good to, to like point this out because yeah, to me, it seems like far-fetched that you'd think he'd ever get a ride home. But, again, they ran into people literally that night that he didn't That he know. knew. Yeah. Right. Okay. So he they just assumed it. Um, 
However, they went to bed that night, and when they woke up the next morning, they still hadn't heard from him, and that's when they figured that something was pretty wrong. So his case was first treated as a normal missing persons case, but foul play... Sorry about my notes, guys. This is the first time I've ever used paper notes. <laughs> um, was suspected pretty quickly, and a description of Mark was circulated in jails and hospitals in the area. Okay. Two days later, a hypnotist was brought in to discover more clues, which I found that interesting. I feel like it's not common that um, police forces... Yeah, it's always interesting like when they do something like that. Yeah, which is kind of out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. um, but Bradley Moore was hypnotized, and he reported seeing Mark talking to a young Hispanic man with a cut on his face. Um, meanwhile... Mark's parents, James and Helen, flew to the area to lead the search. They offered a $15,000 reward for any information. Not just his return, but just literally like information. Anything. Yeah. That's always a problem, though, because then you get all of the false. Exactly. And how do you know what to follow? Yeah. And what's just going to waste your time? Mm -hmm. So, again, this, this all started on March 11th. So, on March 26th. <sighs> oh, Mark's my God. That's like two weeks later. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Mark's case was featured on America's Most Wanted. This generated a bunch of mail and phone calls, but no useful clues. Ugh. So about three weeks after Mark went missing, a 22-year-old resident of Matamoros, Elio Hernandez, ran a routine police roadblock and was caught with marijuana. He was questioned and found to be one of the family members of a local drug family. He had offered to give up some details and some dealers. And he brought the police back to his family's small ranch, 22 miles outside of town. <laughs> this was called Santa Elena Ranch. I love that it's just like, I don't fucking care. My family's going down with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They found 75 pounds of marijuana on the property. Damn. Which actually, to me, like, I guess I'm picturing, like, um like breaking bad or something where like you go to like those little ranches or the little places that they have. And it's like a lot of fucking drugs. And yeah. that's what I'm picturing. So 75 pounds doesn't seem like that much, but I guess a pound Pounds? is a, a lot. Pound? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I've never seen a pound of weed. I don't think so. Like that's just, it just seems. Yeah. Insane. But like, think about an ounce of weed. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're probably right. It just like, 75 just doesn't seem like that big of a number, unless it's like kilos or okay, something. So I don't I even know if weed goes in that. 16 ounces. Is one pound? Is one pound. There's 16 ounces in a pound? I thought there were eight. Okay. 16. I'm so and then times 75. That's a, that's a okay, lot you're of right, marijuana. You're right. You're right. It's... Okay. Anyway. Like, <laughs> it like it. Okay. So it was now common practice for the police, like since this whole thing had happened with Mark, to show a picture of him to pretty much anyone they came in contact with. Okay. So they did that when they Oh, were, when they had this guy in custody? Uh, when they were at the ranch. So okay. they show up to the ranch and there's a ranch caretaker. They okay. show him the picture. He said, yeah, he was here. Oh, casual. Yep. And he pointed them to a corral about 400 yards away. Like, like a corral for like ponies? Yep. Yeah, exactly that. Okay. So, as they approached, they smelled an awful stench. Oh, no. And as they got closer, they found 12 shallow graves. No! With different males buried. Why? One of them was Mark. 
So some victims had been slashed with knives, others shot, one burned, one hanged, one decapitated, some severely disfigured, hearts ripped out, oh. ears, eyes, and <gasps> testicles removed. Oh, my God. And eventually three more bodies were found. So that brought the total count to 15. So were they just, like, torturing these men? Because none of the, like, the MO is different. It's not like they're just doing the so, same thing to everybody. Well, I'll tell you that in a second. Okay. Um, there, there was a purpose of it. Ugh. So on the blood-smeared floor, amid still glowing candles, oh my god, which tells us that some of this happened very recently, oh my god, uh, was an iron kettle filled with iron and wooden spikes, a charred human brain. Shut the fuck up, Shannon. And a roasted turtle. A turtle. The turtle. The turtle. I don't know why. Like that part is just so strange to me. That's the saddest part I to know, me. I know. Oh, what a puppy. So, additionally, a large oil drum was discovered. Oh fuck! And had been used to boil some of the victims. Stop it! Stop it right now! Yikes! Why? So, why were they doing this? According to testimony by Elio and four other members of the family. The victims were sacrificed in a ritual slaying in order for their gang to be invincible. Two what the wearing, fuck kind of got, like, they literally, sacrificed to, are they devil worshippers? I thought everybody in Mexico was Catholic. Am I wrong? I would say apparently you are. Oh these, my so God. these were Ang Anglo, I think is all they said. There's different types of Anglo, though, I believe. Um, but... Yes, so they were under the impression that sacrificing humans would make their gang not only untouchable by the police, but additionally, like, That's so super fucking wealthy people. with the drugs. Also, what does the turtle have to do with anything? Apparently, that's harmful ritual. I don't know where they're even getting these rituals. Like, what books they're looking in. Oh, these no idea. people. They're so, families. two of the people... Um, when arrested, were wearing necklaces made of human vertebrae. Shut the fuck up. So this is where my mind gets really blown. Oh, this... This whole thing's been gross and awful and sad, but this part just genuinely, like, confuses me. Okay. So the leaders of the group, Adolfo de Jesus Constanzo, 26... And Sarah Aldrete, 24, college student from Texas Southmost College, those were the two leaders, that just blows my mind, um, had ordered the sacrifice of a student, which is why Mark was kidnapped. So I think these other men had already been captured, kidnapped. Okay. I'm not sure if they were still alive when he got there. I That part I don't know. So these two were like the leaders of the gang yeah or just the just the torture operation the gang slash cult is basically how it was being referred to this is so fucked up right um so what they say about mark is that he had almost escaped but he was wrestled back into the car oh no he was advised that nothing would happen to him and he was fed a meal of eggs and bread and water or something like that 12 hours later, he was led outside 
and executed with a chop to the back of his neck with oh a machete. Oh my god, that's awful. Yeah. Very fucking horrible. What's that noise? That's your cat. Go away. <laughs> and then just to wrap it up, when police found Mark's body, his legs had been cut off below the knees and his brain and spine had been removed. What is wrong with people? That's it? That's all you got for me? That's the story of Mark Kilroy from Do Spring Break in 1989. Well, that was pretty fucked up, and I hate you. Sorry. I will tell you a story now. Okay. All right, so my story takes place in Brazil. So, here we go. You need to know... Wow! <laughs> wow, you need to know. You need to know a few short things before I get into the story. The first is that I'm not from Brazil. My best friend and cop. <laughs> I just put my head into this little zipper spike. <laughs> fucking good, you bitch. <laughs> Sorry, it's not my fault. I can't talk. Put those fucking things away. I did. You need to know a few short things before I get into the story. The first is that I'm not from Brazil. My best friend in college is, so it was his home we were staying in at the time. It was my only trip to the country. The second is that I wasn't alone for most of what happened, as you'll soon see. No promises, though. Third, and perhaps most importantly, this was not my first experience with the supernatural. So, Brazil. I was in college and I had briefly dated a guy named Anton. It didn't end badly. In fact, we remained really good friends. As his brother Andre was in several of my courses at school, and we hung out with the same group. It was a group of about 15 people, so a pretty large group, and we were all into the same things, mainly drinking, partying, and music, etc. Andre and Anton's parents are wealthy in Brazil, and so for spring break of my sophomore year, they invited our entire group to their family home outside of Sao... Is it Sao Paulo? Paulo? Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo. It was an all-expenses-paid, so, you know, who's going to say no to that, right? My best friends, Simon and Alec, were both going, and so was I. We were all very excited about this trip. We had carved out 10 days to spend in Brazil, cutting the last day of classes before spring break started. We arrived on Friday and were driven up to a huge estate backed against some rainforest. The house was enormous, four stories with rooms bigger than my apartment on campus. You could get lost in there if you weren't careful. On the outside were these beautiful gardens, all immaculate and in better care than the house itself. They had beautiful gardens right up against the house all the way around. I shared a room with Simon as Alec had brought his girlfriend. Right outside our window were huge rose bushes and a French garden layout. We had a balcony where we stood, and when we stood out there, we could smell the flowers wafting up to our room on the third floor. The first two nights happened without incident. I still think it's because we were out late those nights and we weren't in the mindset to pay attention to anything. But the house did feel strange when we came back, almost like it was pulsating. Yeah. The air was thick and humid and clung to your clothes. I just assumed it was the heat. The third night is when things started going off. We'd all decided to stay in and have a house party. Andre invited some of his childhood friends and we all had a really good time. But around one, I started getting tired, so I went to bed. 
We'd been out of the house most of the day and came back for a party, so I was ready to just crawl into bed, which was bigger than a California king, and just sleep until noon. Except it didn't play out that way. Hold on. I have to move because I can't breathe because my stupid baby belly. <sighs> okay. I had only been in bed for maybe a half hour, and I was in a hypnagogic state. Hypnagogic? Hypnagogic? Yeah, I've never heard that before. But. I don't know how to say this word, but it's the state between being sleeping and awake. Between, between sleeping and awake. I've never heard it referred to like that before. I know. I should. I forgot that the word was in here or else I would have looked it up. Um, yeah, but when you're half asleep, it's still too close to consciousness to block out what's happening around you. And then I could hear it. A little girl. She was giggling. I groaned and turned over in my bed to lie on my stomach, pulling the pillow over my head. I was sure that someone was watching a video on their phone or something because there were no kids in the house. I just waited for it to stop, but it didn't stop. In fact, it sounded like it was coming from the room itself. Now this room was large, very large. I don't know the exact dimensions, but it took up the whole back wall of the house. Simon's bed was on the far side of the room, opposite of mine. We each had our own bathrooms, and the room in between was large enough to fit a sofa, two chairs, and a coffee table with room to walk around it comfortably. I listened for a while, and it definitely sounded like there was a little girl in the room, running around and giggling. I could hear her slapping I could hear the slapping of her little feet on the tile floor as she ran from one side of the room to another. That's the last thing I remember before I finally fell asleep. I feel like I would get up and like investigate. I don't know, though, if you're that close to sleep, I'd just be like, fucking, let me die. Like, let me, <laughs> let me, let me die. Go. I don't know. I feel like if there was a small child in my room, I'd want to know about it. I certainly would, but I don't know if I were, if I were that close to sleep, I honestly would just assume it, it is a dream. Like, I'm just. Oh, yeah. I guess if you're, like, dozing, you might think you're, like, inventing it in your head mm -hmm. or something. When I woke up the next day, I asked Simon if he'd heard it, but he hadn't. Unfortunately, he's the type of person who's really interested in the supernatural and paranormal, so he pumped me for more information all day. When we got back to the house later that night, he was resolute in trying to find out what was going on. I was fine with it. I was still in the mindset that it was just a weird auditory hallucination that occurred because I was so tired. If he wanted to stay up all night and play ghost detective, that was fine with me. At about 2.30 in the morning on the fourth night in Brazil, I woke up to Simon sitting on my bed and hissing my name. I swatted at him. I had been asleep and I get cranky if I'm woken up, but he still kept trying to wake me up. I woke up to Simon putting his finger over his mouth in a shushing motion. A few seconds later, I could hear the little girl again. She was giggling. What the hell, I muttered, sitting up in bed. Shh, Simon said. Simon said. <laughs> we were still in the bed as we could hear her little feet slapping against the floor, just like I heard the night before. What is that? Ew, and it's so much weirder if you're like awake and aware of it and like it knows that you're aware of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's one, you automatically assume if it's a ghost or something that they're going to disappear as soon as you like acknowledge that yeah. you can hear it or you can see it. But like if this Simon guy is like sitting up looking at it or listening to it. Ooh. Yeah, I don't like it. 
A few minutes later, the giggling and slapping ran towards the balcony doors, and you guessed it, the doors swung open mm -hmm. hard enough they bounced back off the wall. Oh. That's when Simon got up and tried to go to the door. I say try because a few feet from the bed, he fell backwards like he'd slipped in something. His yelp was enough to get me out of bed. And that's when we saw the wet footprints. That's what got you out of the bed? Like the swinging fucking doors open? I would have jumped the oh, fuck Oh, my up. ass would have been off that balcony because I'm like, nope, and out of this. Yeah, no. absolutely. Mm -mm. Uh, that's when we saw the wet footprints. Small, smaller than my own foot, and it looked to be long to a child. Outlined in water, like a kid had just gotten out of the tub and was running around. It was pretty hard to see, even with the full moon shining, so Simon and I turned on all the lights. We found out that the footprints were all over the room. Ew. They went in sort of an infinity pattern, starting and stopping at the balcony doors. First to my side of the room, around the bed, into the bathroom, back out again, circling the sitting area, and the same thing on Simon's side, then back out to the balcony doors. We shared my bed that night. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Neither of us slept. We were each on our phones, texting our boyfriends, telling them what was going on since neither of them could come. That morning, we talked to Andre about what was going on. He looked as confused as we were, but we had taken photos and showed them to him. He had no idea what it was about, but he said he'd ask his mother, who was actually raised in the house. Unfortunately, she was out of the country, so it was going to get a few days to get a response from her. Simon and I were both on edge for the next three nights because each night the same thing would happen. Girl, Ooh. change rooms. Girl, yeah, boy, I don't know who you are, there. but change rooms. Not even the room. Get out of the building. Get out of Brazil, my dude. <laughs> the same thing would happen. Little girl ghost would show up and play for about 20 minutes and then be gone. We even had Erica and Alex stay in our room one night with us and experience it too, so it wasn't just us. The eighth night is when things began changing for the worse. Eight nights of that shit. No, absolutely not. Or, like, if there's nowhere else to sleep in this massive estate that you were talking about, and it happens at the same time every night, just wait for it to be over and then go to bed. Like, just right. don't even go up there. Right. Yeah. Uh, what, what time was it, though? Like, it was like 3 in the morning. The eighth night is when things began changing for the worse. I had an epic dream. I'm used to epic dreams. I've had them since I was little, but this one was major. It was about a young woman with red hair and light gray eyes. I saw her whole life in that dream, from when she was born to when she died. Although all I know about her, all I know about her death is that she was murdered, nothing else. But she had a little girl. A little girl who liked playing in the water. When I woke up from the dream, it was 4 a.m. I immediately had thought, huh, maybe that's what's going on. The mother and the daughter are here, and they just want someone to acknowledge them. Quick pause. Yeah? Um, just, I just thought about that. Isn't it so crazy when you have a dream that seems like it's like months years long and then you wake up and you've literally been sleeping for like 20 minutes half hour like yeah it's fucked up it's so weird like i literally experienced a whole lifetime in that fucking dream how is it that quick it's because time's not real nothing's real so crazy Nothing makes okay. sense continue okay no sooner was that the thought in my head that i could smell a sweet faintly sick aroma of perfume the kind that's gone bad after too much time in a humid sunny area it was right next to me on the bed 
It was mixed with the smell of newly turned earth and metal. Then something that wasn't me shifted in the bed. Oh. I would be also, I would not even turn around. I'd be like, nope. I would hope that one of my friends crawled in with me. Because they said like Simon was in the bed. The That's true. Yeah. Whatever. I don't even think I'd turn around to look. I probably wouldn't either. I would just assume. I would just politely get out of bed and walk out of the room. <laughs> politely excuse myself. Uh, I didn't want to look down. I really didn't. But I did. I looked down and to my left. Right next to me was the imprint of a female torso. I know the shape because that side of the bed was soaking wet and the only part that was wet. Huh? I know the shape because this, that side of the bed was soaking wet and the only part that was wet was the outline of the torso. Yeah, so it's not even like where the back and stuff would be. It's literally just the outline. I don't like anything about that. That's weird. Did they, maybe they were just laying in bed and somebody threw water on them. So it's the So that part outline. stayed, like when you back out of your driveway yeah. and, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like when it rains, yeah. but under yeah. your car is still yeah. dry. Wow. In my left ear, I heard a grown woman laugh and then growl. Ew. It was a low, long, drawn out growl that chilled me to my bones. It was a warning growl. Well, that was enough for me. I got that was enough. I would have been <laughs> eight days in. I would have been out of there like day two. So that was enough for me. I got out of bed as calmly as I could, crossed the room, and got into bed next to Simon, who was not asleep. You heard it then? He asked under his breath as I settled in. What do you mean settled in? Get your asses out of that room. Right. He's like, oh, I guess I'll just sleep over here. You're next to me. It's Don't want to bother the growling fucking wet lady. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I whispered to him as we snuggled under the covers. It's not the little girl, he responded. I know. Go to sleep. Oh, what is with the people in my fucking stories being like, oh, that was pretty it's fucked okay. up. Guess I'll go, go to sleep. bed. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Again, the next morning, Simon and I tried to figure out what was going on. Apparently, Simon had heard the little girl make her entrance, but he felt something else in the room as well. Something that hadn't been there before. When I told him what happened to me, he didn't look surprised, but he was worried. We both were. Andre's mother didn't have any information for us about what was going on. His family was extremely religious, so talking about this too much wasn't going to help us. Besides, at the time, we only had one night left. The ninth night was the worst. <laughs> of course it is. We had purposely gone to bed after 2 a.m. Hey, that was my idea. <laughs> yeah, they finally fucking figured it out. They're like, wait, nine days later. Uh, we had purposely gone to bed after 2 a.m. as we had figured out that that's when the, girl, the ghost girl liked to play. So we figured if we went up to the room after that, she'd have gone, and we'd only have a few hours until sunrise. Boy, were we wrong. I was in the shower when it all started. I had just finished conditioning my hair when Simon burst into my bathroom, a panicked look on his face. Simon, what the fuck? I said, but he pulled me into... I can't talk. I started to say until he pulled me out of the shower and wrapped me in a towel, gestured to me for be quiet, and opened the bathroom door that he must have closed on his way in. Take a look, he said. What do you see? Through the crack of the door, I could see most of the bedroom and there was definitely something in there that shouldn't have been. 
the silhouette of a short, slender woman with red hair. Ew. I don't like the word slender when it's, maybe just because I think of like Slenderman, but which I still, I don't even actually know that story. I just know that it exists somewhere. The story exists. So the word itself like creeps me out. In a, yeah. She was standing at the dressing mirror next to Simon's bed all the way across the room. From where I stood, it looked like she was just staring at herself in the mirror, like anyone would while they're getting dressed. Except this is the middle of the night. Except that she was completely nude. Except that she was soaking wet. Do you know what that reminds me of? Hmm. Do you remember the movie 13 Ghosts? Yes, I love that movie. Do you remember the redheaded chick in the bathtub? She's like soaking wet, red hair. Yeah. That's every, like they... I've read this a couple times, and every time I'm like, oh, it reminds me of that. Anyways. I, wanna, I, I have a list of movies that I need to rewatch, and that's on it, because I, and I can't find it anywhere, but I want to watch it so fucking bad. It was one of my favorite movies when I was younger. I watched it not too long ago, and I was, like, so offended because Chris fell asleep while we were watching it, and I was like, this is such a good movie. Why are you falling asleep? I was so fucking terrified of that movie. The Jackal? Jekyll? The Jackal. Yes. With the bomb. Oh, yes. oh, oh, oh. So scared of no. that movie when I was younger. No, 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 no. Well, anyways. From over my shoulder, I heard Simon ask, do you see it? The woman in the mirror, I breathed back. Yeah, I see her. What about the little girl? I was confused for a second, looking back at him. His eyes got wide and his mouth opened, so I turned back around. What I saw when I looked back into the bedroom was a little girl with strawberry blonde hair and pigtails, dressed in a white shift and running full force at my bathroom door across the room. When she cleared the coffee table, she turned She turned from a little girl into a naked woman from the mirror. Simon and I both heard the giggle turn into a roar. Oh, so it's the same person? We shut and locked the door just in time. I could feel whatever was on the other side pushing the wood on the door, bending it inwards. Then came the scratches. They were long and deep, going from the top of the door to the bottom over and over again. We just barred the bathroom door with whatever we could find in the bathroom, climbed into the tub, and stayed there. What the fuck do you have in the bathroom that can bar a door? Yeah, nothing. Like, you know, move the toilet? Some have, like, a chair. So maybe, I guess, if you could, like, put a finagle under, the, under yeah. the door handle, but I don't have a chair in mine. You know. We climbed into the tub and stayed there. We must have fallen asleep. There's fucking people. <laughs> because the next thing I remember is pounding on the door and Andre asking if we were okay. We got ourselves together enough to get out there, and but before we did, we agreed not to say what happened the night before. Yeah, where were all these other people? I know. Why is it these... And, like, the mom says that she has no idea what's going on. You grew up in this house... And you currently live there and you've never experienced any of this? And one night they had two of the other people in there to experience it. Yeah. So you don't think that they'd and be like, like... also, just go sleep on the couch. Right. <laughs> Anywhere else. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, we just made up some sort of story and for some reason everyone bought it. Later that day, we were packing for our flight home. I remember walking into the room after the family going away lunch, feeling much better. Convinced that I must have just had too much to drink the night before or I was being paranoid. You don't have full-blown hallucinations when you're, like, too drunk. No. Like, you'd be, like, see double. It'd be one thing if it's, like, uh, oh, what's that shit that you drink? It's, like, green. Absinthe? Yes. 
that's one thing. You can have hallucinations on that, but otherwise you're But yeah. not to this extent. Well, I don't know. I've never I've never had absinthe, but I'm just saying, yeah, that it like it's that's not a normal reaction from any kind of booze. No. Um yeah, I had drank too much or I had too much to drink and the night before I was just being paranoid. But whatever this thing was but whatever this thing was had one last surprise in store for me. My luggage and all of my clothes were completely soaked when I got back to the room. All of the clothes that I had neatly packed in my suitcase were soaked through. Everything. Even the luggage was wet. But nothing around it, not the chair it sat on or the floor underneath was wet. Just the suitcase. That's such a pain in the ass. I didn't want to discuss it, so I just dried all of my clothes as quickly as as possible and boarded the plane. I don't want, I didn't want to talk about it anymore. I just wanted to go back home. When I arrived, I went straight to sleep. I'm done. I didn't even touch my suitcase until a few days after we returned. There, on the top of my clothes in my suitcase, as soon as I opened it, was a curl of red hair. Ew. So it's not even going to tell us, like, who she was? Are you fucking serious? (laughs) What the hell? I knew it was going to piss you off. That's like, great. I need to know, like, the whole purpose of it. It's so funny. No, don't you hate that? I fucking hate it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Give me all that information and not get a resolution. Oh, sorry. Uh, wow, oh, man. Annoying. What are we talking about next week? <laughs> do you just want to not do this anymore? You sound very I'm bad about this story specifically. Whatever. Next week, we're doing on a boat. Ooh. Oh, can't wait for just that. Just wrap some stepbrothers for you. <laughs> That'll be the whole episode. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, uh, so. What'd you say it was again? On a boat. Do we do? Oh, no, we did water. We did water. Okay. Okay. I'm saying it right here, right now. Neither of us could do the goddamn Titanic. Oh, I'm not doing the Titanic. <laughs> okay. I honestly probably wouldn't have even thought about that. You haven't said it. We'll be back next week to tell you which one of our stories was a real-life encounter and which one was fiction. And we'll also include the credits to this week's stories in the show notes for next week. You can submit your own personal stories or theme suggestions to butwaititgetsworse at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at butwaititgetsworse. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.